Hello, everybody. John Montoya here. Hey, everyone. John Parings. Welcome to the fifth edition. Awesome. We are going to be talking about the power of paid up editions in this episode. So we appreciate you joining us. Let's go to the, the first note, uh, paid up editions, because for the people who are learning about IBC, this is perhaps the number one writer that you should be aware of. Now, hopefully you're adjusting your mindset, you're, you're developing your mindset towards being your own banker and controlling your cash flow, uh, figuring out where the best place to park money is. Uh, so we're, we're hopeful in that we're, we're helping you to see things in a much better light. This is what Nelson uh, provided to all of us IBC advisors. It was his gift, his way of teaching us to think differently. And so uh, we're hopeful, first off and for, foremost, that, uh, that we can help you to, to understand what IBC is all about. Um, the, the power of PUAs is what makes uh, infinite banking unique. But despite, despite that thought uh, of the paid up editions, I would start off by saying that even if you don't have any paid up additions in your policy, you could effectively bank with your whole life. Uh, the paid up additions writer is just a mechanism to help you to achieve faster cash value early on so that you can accumulate the capital in which you can start the banking process with. I think that's well said. Um, so we're going to be talking about what are called what's called the paid up additions rider, which stands for paid up additional insurance in a uh, dividend paying whole life insurance policy. And I think what you just said is super important because while the paid up additions rider um, is, as you mentioned, one of the strongest riders you can you can include in a whole life insurance policy, and it does help grow the cash value um, much more quickly and potentially getting more cash value. Um, there's certainly nothing wrong with, um, you know, some of the, if anyone has a traditional, just straight whole life insurance policy, those also accumulate cash. And if, if we're thinking long range, like Nelson Nash has said in his books, if we're thinking long range, um, a traditional whole life policy without a PUA rider um, will still perform and provide many, many benefits um, in, in terms of even IBC. And so I think that was a great way to start this conversation where we're not raising any alarm bells with anyone who has a, uh, <laughs> you know, just a straight traditional whole life policy because those work too. But this PUA, uh, the PUA rider is an important uh, component of an infinite banking style uh, or a, a policy designed by an authorized infinite banking practitioner is maybe a better way to say that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just add that Nelson's first policies, they didn't have a paid up edition writer. They, yep. they were all base policies and they ended up accumulating cash value over the long run. And that's really where, uh, where he got started with this whole idea. Uh, so uh, the paid up editions writer that it, it is a tool that is is within our capability as advisors to uh, help to make the policy uh, more efficient. And the reason why is because every dollar that goes into a paid up addition writer is essentially increasing the cash value almost dollar for dollar while simultaneously increasing the death benefit. And the efficiency really comes in with that 
not only the cash value, but that death benefit that's being added to the policy because every dollar of additional death benefit that's added through this writer doesn't have any future cost to it. it it's just like what it sounds, paid up. It's an additional block of paid up death benefit. And part of the reason why that's so important is because if you think about where the dividends come from in a whole life policy, it doesn't come from the cash value. It comes from how much death benefit, permanent death benefit you've accumulated. So th there's a compounding process that's happening and is made more efficient because of this paid up additions writer where we have the ability to continue to stack blocks upon blocks of paid up additional death benefit that then creates its own dividend. And the process just keeps on getting, it gets better and better each and every year. Yeah, that's right. And if, um, you know, just to give credit where credit's due, Ryan Griggs did a great write up on that and describes what you just said, where if you look at your regular life insurance premium, um, to have the death benefit that requires future premium payments that requires you to pay a premium for a period of time ongoing. Right. And what you just said is a paid up additional block of life insurance has no future premium obligation is I think one way to say it mm -hmm. for the, for the additional insurance that you just purchased. And that's a, I think it's a huge, um, advantage and a huge component to look at in understanding the, the uh, incredible uh, performance value that the paid up additions rider provides. Yeah. And only whole life policies has this, uh, has this rider, right? Because right. A, a universal policy, which technically is the other type of permanent policy. Uh, and I would put permanent in quotation marks right? Uh, because <laughs> you know, the, we, we've seen it on our end as advisors, even though they're called permanent policies, these universal policies uh, really can collapse. And um, a lot of them, I mean, the life settlements industry exists primarily because of universal policies, not, uh, you know, making it out to age 100 or even, uh, you know, 121, uh, simply because of the cost of insurance increasing every single year. Uh, there, there's no paid up addition rider possible in that contract because it's, it's built on a chassis of one year renewable term insurance. So only with a whole life policy, can you even get a paid up addition writer? That's it. And you know, um, just the fact that like we talked about last time, the fact that there's a guaranteed cash flow in the form of a death, death benefit in the future that allows these paid up additions to exist so that we know exactly how to calculate that. I think there's another, uh, reason why the PUA writer is so important. And that's due to premium flexibility. The agents, advisors out there that are hawking these universal policies, they talk about how flexible those policies are when it comes to contributing premium. And their, their biggest negative remark is they say, well, whole life, it's not flexible. Right. And they're thinking about the right. traditional whole life, the, the type of policy that doesn't have a PUA writer, uh, but they're not talking about an IBC designed policy that has that flexible paid up additions writer where, you know, at a minimum with most of these carriers, all you have to contribute is, is around a hundred dollars per year to keep that writer active and in force for the next year. 
Right. Um, there's a, you know, it, it's all about how things are being set up. And so the, you know, there was that whole idea of whole life insurance being a black box where you don't know what's going on inside of it, you know. Um, but the, the reality is there's, as opposed to having flexibility in, you know, whether or not you pay uh, that you see with these universal type products, um, there's flexibility in how you pay with whole life insurance and how much you pay. And the, and the paid up edition rider provides a lot of that flexibility where there, it, it creates sort of a minimum and a maximum that you can put into a whole life insurance policy. And then there are tons of options in terms of how you can pay for those, including dividends, policy loans, you know, you know all these different options where it, it really is a very flexible product when it comes to how it's funded. Yeah, I mean, the design, when it comes right down to it, it's every single IBC policy is just slightly different because everybody's situation is different and everybody's budget is going to be a little bit different. So the paid up additions writer, when we include that into the policy design, that's there to add premium flexibility to make the policy fit within a person's budget, however they want to contribute the premium, whether it's monthly, quarterly, semi-annually, or annually, you know, they, they have budget flexibility. They're not locked into a set amount mm -hmm. come hell or high water that they have to make every single month, quarter, six months, or, you know, every 12 months. Uh, there is that flexibility built in there. That's right. So, as we build in a paid up additions rider, um, how does it, how does it work? What is, uh, what are the mechanisms that we use to um, use a paid up additions rider to increase not only the cash value, but also the death benefit? We're looking for a minimum death benefit, maximum cash value design. So in some cases you may not need to do anything. And this is from an advisor point of view, uh, do anything other than solve for the minimum uh, non-MEC death benefit and then add a paid up additions writer to that policy to increase the overall death benefit and to increase the ability for overfunding. To further optimize it though, there may be an option that exists with the carrier where you would blend a term writer. Mm -hmm. And that, that blending of a term writer in the design uh, seems to be a hot topic as of late. And so we should probably hit on that um, simply because I know from my end, I've been getting a, a number of calls from people who are asking for a certain type of policy. Mm -hmm. um, and, and they're not even talking about IBC, which, which is probably the most disappointing aspect of it. Right. They're just calling me up out of the blue. Uh, they got my information from the IBC uh, website. And they're saying, Hey, you know, I just learned about this and, and here's what I want. And right. it, it just blows me away that, that they're thinking of, um, of IBC simply as, as a commodity that you can just order like a, like a cheeseburger from McDonald's and here you go. Th this is, this is all you need. And right. it, it's way more than that. Yeah. Um, and so th there, there is something to be said about customization and making sure that you have a properly designed 
policy, but also making sure that you understand what IBC is all about because IBC is not just about highest early uh, cash values that you can get and then that's it. Right. You know, you really have to understand the, the whole idea behind IBC before you even get to policy design. Yeah. And, just, and to your point, you know, of receiving phone calls from, you know, per, prospective uh, clients, you know, similar thing uh, where, you know, you see uh, people calling in and they, they have an idea of what they want and they're trying to order, you know, a policy that they quote unquote design, which by the way, um, you know, for good or bad, a regular just person on the street that is looking to buy whole life insurance, they can't actually design their own policy. They can, they can kind of give you some ideas of what they want, but they, there's absolutely no way for them to do it because the insurance companies just don't make that information available to them uh, again, for good or bad. But then, you know, the other side of it is I've had multiple conversations with people where they've expressed concern about not having their policy designed correctly, mm -hmm. which they're trying to do themselves. They, they see a lot of comments on forums and things like that where people say, oh, man, I wish my policy were designed differently. And it's my contention is it's it's the the clients themselves need to also be held a little bit accountable because the people that that come in with a preconceived notion of what they want and don't allow their advisor to kind of walk through what they're, what they want to do with it. And, and again, to your point, the benefits of the IBC practice in general, those are the ones that are, that I think are commenting saying, Oh, I didn't know it worked this way. I wish my advisor told me it's, it's the, it's, it's them and the advisor's fault for selling cheeseburgers when they should be selling maps to financial freedom yeah. um, and having those discussions as opposed to just trying to order something off of a menu. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So one way you can avoid ordering cheeseburgers <laughs> is to make sure you don't go to McDonald's. And, <laughs> you know, the, the number one thing I would recommend, first and foremost, make sure you, you vet your advisor that you're working with. You want to make sure you're working with an authorized advisor from the Nelson Nash Institute. Very easy to find one that's local to you. Um, and you can go on there and, and find an advisor who is in good standing. And I bring that up is it, because there's a lot of advisors out there who teach infinite making and, and will even call it infinite making. Um, but have have not gone through the curriculum um you know they, they they don't for whatever reason want to be a part of the nelson nash institute or in in something that i just learned recently having a conversation with david stearns advisors can be booted from the nelson nash institute for not teaching ibc the right way and, and this is actually what has happened recently uh, where an advisor, I won't mention his name, but he's been teaching IVC uh, the way that uh, Nelson would never ever uh, have taught it. And he wasn't willing to, to change his thinking on things and, and how he was presenting it. And so he's no longer an authorized practitioner. So you really want to make sure that, you know, you are vetting your advisor and making sure that they are an authorized advisor in current good standing with the Nelson Nash Institute. Absolutely. And, you know, it's, 
a lot of it gets down to, you know, trying to finagle um, the idea of life insurance and life insurance cash value and turning it into some sort of investment vehicle where the focus is on, is on a high rate of return. The focus is on maximizing cash value. But one of the things, you know, you mentioned earlier, we had some, a good conversation that that'll end up on the, on the cutting room floor. Well, how about we eliminate that? I'll, I'll just bring up what we were talking about. And it's, it's the fact that there, there's no such thing as like a secret, um, a secret insurance policy that you can design for high, cash value without some sort of associated trade-off, right? And so a lot of times those trade-offs are, if you get something, you know, a lot, of, I, th I think I'm seeing a lot of stuff like a 90-10 policy where you can get 90% cash value, 10% death benefit. Well, we're, w once we do that, we're kind of getting away from all the other benefits of what these types of policies can pr provide. And the other big trade-off is that those policies will not stay um, I guess, alive, for lack of a better term, they will end up being paid up in a very short amount of time, or they will mech, meaning they will become a modified endowment contract and become taxable, losing a lot of the, the tax benefits of a whole life policy. And so the way I've been explaining it to some of my clients is that there are a bunch of levers we can pull on when we decide when we design a policy. And they're all completely dependent on what that client um, wants out of life, out of their financial life. It does not necessarily make sense to load a bunch of cash into a policy and then not be able to put any more into it three or five years later, seven years later, whatever it is. Like, why would you want to design a policy where you overcome all the costs of the insurance in the early years and then have it be paid up right when that, right when that's done. And then you have to go through underwriting and start the whole process over again. And so, um, to your point, people are missing the big picture of IBC and a correctly structured uh, whole life insurance policy. And by thinking that there's a product that they can buy, there's no such thing as like a, um, just one IBC policy. It's not, it doesn't exist. We have, we have concepts and, and, and um, principles, but it's tailored to the individual. It has to be. Otherwise you get the people on the forums who say they wish their policy was designed differently. And um, it, it's no longer meeting their needs because they were only looking at it from one snapshot in time, which is the, the time they bought the policy or maybe one year after they bought the policy. They didn't look out 20, 30, 40, 50 years of, of owning that policy and what that can do over that long period of time. In part, in asking for that type of specific structure, they're also asking in some cases for a specific life insurance company because right. they, they've heard it someplace that, okay, the, these are the best quote unquote companies, life insurance companies to work with. And so I have to work with these companies. And it might be a common name that, you know, you, you hear, uh, because you turn on the TV, um, or it, it could be just because you're on YouTube and, and, you know, someone said, Hey, you got to work with these, these carriers. And what you have to realize, um, that that's, that's a marketing pitch, right? Yep. If anyone, you know, we, we don't talk about the specific carriers that we work with here because we're not giving specific tailored advice to the listener right? We, we don't know your situation. Um, you know, when we, we can't give specific advice 
on how to tailor a plan for you without knowing all the specifics about what your situation is, what you're looking to accomplish. We're independent, so we can work with the different carriers out there, but we're not talking about, hey, these are the the top three, the top five that you need to consider and playing that game where it's just like you're, you're chasing rate of return essentially in the market, right? You're constantly trying to get um, you know, the, the best return you can get and thinking of this, uh, this model um, of, uh, of an IBC plan as an investment. And we've covered that in, in a previous podcast. It's not an investment. That's right. It's a cash asset. And, you know, it's some of it's some of the that mindset is due to the the industry itself where everyone, you know, publishes dividend rates and things like that. And at the end of the day, the the published dividend percentage, that's that that's not what people actually get (laughs) applied to their policy. And so the you know, there there is some of that stuff out there that, um, you know, you can understand why people start to think that way. Um, in ter- meaning clients. And so it's important to talk to somebody that, that really knows what they're doing. They really understand how insurance works. Um, they understand why it works from an actuarial perspective, which by the way, a lot of people really missed, missed the whole, um, you know, uh, forest for the trees when they, when they don't understand the huge benefits that the actuarial math behind uh, all these types of insurance products really makes a huge difference in terms of, you know, what we're doing with these products. Yeah. Life insurance, I think for the average consumer simply is confounding. It's, it's confusing because there's so many options out there and now, you know, they, they, they already have an idea of what they think life insurance is right right or wrong. And now they're, they're trying to learn about IBC and, I, you know, that may even be too complicated for, for most people. And, you know, what I try to do in, in helping people understand about IBC to make it as simple and easy to digest as possible. You know, Nelson wrote about this in a, in a second book, he called it the, the warehouse for wealth mm-hmm. and just try to understand IBC is about parking your wealth in the safest place possible where you can always get access to it. If you have access to your own money, you're going to be in the driver's seat. A lot of the stuff that we're talking about, even today's topic about paid up additions, it it can be esoteric, um, but it doesn't have to be quite to the, to that depth. We, you know, you don't have to get into the weeds to understand things at a very elementary level that, access to cash is a good thing right you should have the ability to use your cash whenever you want it and when when you realize that you then need to realize okay well i want the most benefits i can get from having access to this cash and all the way down the line when you compare what you can do with an ibc policy compared to anything else you're going to find that there's so much additional value that you get that, you know, you don't really have to get into the weeds to understand the particulars of a paid up edition writer. Um, you don't have to understand how, um, you know, a direct versus a non-direct dividend works or right. even where the dividend comes from. All you have to understand is that you need to take back 
control of your banking function. Right. So that you have ownership and control of your money instead of outsourcing it to other third parties. And as a policy owner of a mutual insurance company, you're an actual owner of the company. So that's one, the first step in taking back control and ownership of your money. So, you know, you, you mentioned a point about contributing premium and, and it, it made me want to ask the question, how long should you contribute premium to a policy? That's a good question. And, uh, you know, I, I've had some funny conversations with prospective clients lately because, you know, there's always that uh, answer of it depends <laughs> is the uh, is the real answer. But, you know, no one wants to hear that. They always want to hear a, a real answer. And, and but it really it, and we can give real answers, but it really does depend on their situation. You know, for instance, um, if you're 30 years old, um, why why on earth would you ever want to? Uh, only make paid up additions or premium payments for that exam for that matter. Uh, why would you only want to make payments until you're 45 or 50? Those are your prime earning years where you could be taking money, putting it somewhere where every dollar you put in earns, you have access to more than $1 in the cash value and it's tax free, you know, or do you want to have a policy that's paid up in seven years where now Maybe something happens and you no longer qualify and you can no longer do that. On the, on the opposite end of the spectrum, if you've got um, a retiree or, you know, someone in there, you know, I think you said your oldest client was in their early seventies. Um, you know, they may want to do something where they accumulate cash a little more quickly and only make um, payments for a short period of time. You know, it really just depends on, on the situation of the client. Would you agree with that? The thing that I am recalling right now, because I'm, I'm thinking about existing clients um, and what their situation was where they have a short pay policy. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's five, maybe it's seven years. Um, but in those circumstances, what it was is they came into a windfall of money. Yeah. That was an amount that is way beyond their, their normal cash flow. And so they have this windfall of money that needs to be parked someplace. What the, the end result was we parked that money, did uh, five equal installments, paid it up after five years, set to continue to grow. The cash value will continue to grow, but they, they have that policy set up and they don't ever have to worry about putting another premium into it. Um, if they do have uh, an increase in cash flow uh, in later years, then we simply take that additional amount and add new policies. And, you know, this is a not, we just talked about not getting into the weeds, but then the, there's also some things you can do with premium offsets to add some more flexibility and the ability to add more cash into a policy or keep growing a policy over a period of time. There's a lot, you know, just getting back to our previous statement, there are so many ways to structure this in the, in a correct manner that really, um, meet the individual needs of a, of a specific client or family. All right. Well, I guess that's going to do it for this week's episode. Uh, for those listening who would like to contact uh, John and myself, you can go to the fifthedition.com, reach out to us there if you have questions. Uh, don't be afraid to, to let us know what's on your mind. Yeah, that's great.
All right, everybody, until next week, have a good one. Take care, everyone.